Welcome to Left Foot. We invite fresh conversation on business development. Now here's your host, Nicole Giantonio. Our guest today is Karen Kahn. I recently read Karen's book, Daunting to Doable, You Can Make It Rain, and I'm excited to have her on our program. Karen, welcome to Left Foot. Thank you. Glad to be here. All of the topics in the book came from a particular model. Can you describe that model for our listeners? In my experience working with lawyers, and I'm sure it's the same with people in other businesses, um, they tend to be very, very scattered. Um, They don't have a lot of time for business development. And in their exuberance to bring in business are all over the place. So what I wanted to do, and this was true for myself as well, uh, I wanted to create a model that was really simple, cut to the chase, and it it could be done. As the title says, you can make it rain. So it's really a three-step model. Um, And I had a lot of fun in the book creating things based on numbers. So there'll be two of these and three of these, and I'm sure we'll talk about them today. So the very simple three-step model is what, who, how. And I apply this model to anything that I do, not just business development. Number one, what. Uh, What is your definition of success? What, what, what is your goal? Um, and that could be, I want to be the go-to lawyer in the fashion industry uh, with respect to intellectual property. Just very cut to the chase. What you do and very important, uh, who is the business focus? Number two, after that, and this is sequential, you, can, you have to do it in order or you'll stay scattered. The second step is who. Who will help you get there? For law firms, and uh, there's four relationship buckets. Relationships inside the firm, past and current clients, personal and professional network, and then your industry or business focus. Uh, such as the fashion industry or aviation industry or, or something like that. And then and only then, after you have what I call your who's list, a list of people from those buckets, probably anywhere from two to 400 people in length, only then do we do the third step, and that's how. How do I develop the sustained relationships that will produce valuable relationships, some of which will lead to business and some will be wonderful, valuable colleagues. A lot of great information there. You know, I really, I'm interested in hearing uh, more about how you use or suggest that your clients use their personal relationships and their personal connections in business. Is there a certain approach that you suggest they use or uh, a certain methodology that, you know, where a a professional could feel comfortable calling on those personal relationships for business? Great question. Well, first, I want to say that there are, again, another number, 2.5 kinds of relationships. Uh, The 0.5 is sort of humorous. Uh, But the two really are, they're buyers and connectors to buyers. The 0.5 came when I was doing the presentation. And the wonderful thing about working with lawyers is they 
they always see the loophole and they said, well, what happens if some of my buyers are connectors and my connectors are buyers? So I said, fine, fine, fine. We'll add a 0.5. So 0.5 is the hybrid. So there are connectors and there are buyers and then there's a the hybrid of both. And our personal and professional network certainly uh, comprises any of those. So when I am talking to my friends, my colleagues, um, I am very aware and thinking about how can they be purchasers, purchasers of my services or connectors and vice versa. How can I be helping them as well um, in those categories? What you asked is a really important question and you used the C word, which is comfort. Comfort. Um, and people who are not naturally in sales, um, and all of us in the professional area, uh, we're surprised to find out that, oh, we have to sell our services, not just be professionals and practice. Um, we tend to be very uncomfortable when it comes to talking about business. And so, what I suggest, um, and it was very important for me as well. Um, I suggest that people not sell to people in their personal and professional network. I suggest people don't sell, period. Um, I prefer offering to assist. Uh, that when I hear a need, whether that's two, one of two things, a challenge or an opportunity, uh, I think of ways that I can offer assistance. And I find that when professionals, whether lawyers or actuaries or accountants or consultants, offer assistance, uh, we feel a lot more comfortable and authentic in our conversations. So it's important to be doing that. It's also important to enter conversations um, about what we do and what they do with a real sense of curiosity and for me, keeping the focus on them. What do they do? What's exciting to them? What is the cliche is keeping them up at night and really enter conversations with a true sense of wanting to know what what's going on in their lives and listen for, are there any ways that I can be helpful? And I find that that approach takes the discomfort away for most people. Don't sell. Stay curious and caring. Fantastic. Such, such great information there. And really, you know, it makes so much sense to really want to help people. And, and of course, as we know, no one wants to be quote unquote sold. In your book, you, you talk about certain questions and there were pieces of knowledge that should be shared. Uh, one of the questions that you used to in exploratory conversations was uh, what occupies your time? And how did you get into that? And when I think about using professional relationships or uh, looking to connect with people, which may lead to the opportunity to help them, those are such great questions. Can you elaborate on exploratory conversations and other suggestions you might have for folks who truly are uh, looking for uh, the exact questions to start that conversation? Well, I, I think about conversations as an inverted funnel with the large part at the top and then the 
the little spout at the bottom. And what I enjoy doing, and I want to emphasize it's what I enjoy doing, um, it's really important when you're talking about business development to find your authentic way of doing it. And the, the most important thing for all of your listeners is to find their way. Um, I had a, a program that I did with one of my colleagues, uh, John Mitchell, a while ago, and we called it Making Rain Your Way. And a lot of what um, Daunting to Doable is or some of what Daunting Doable is based on uh, the Making Rain Your Way program, because it's important to find your way. So the upside down funnel really starts with the most general questions. And thinking about it your way, it's finding what general questions feel, feel natural to you and use your language. For example, for me, um, it's very comfortable and natural to use this phrase. So what's driving you nuts these days? Now, you might say the phrase nuts. It, it doesn't work for me. Don't use it then. Um, so it's important to experiment and find your open questions. Um, I started with the question, um, what occupies most of your time from the feedback that I got from many people that a lot of the people I socialize um, don't work in professional settings during the day. They may be a stay-at-home parent. Uh, they may be writing the next great novel. Um, and so they would say, well, so I'm not going to talk to them about business. And so for me, thinking about how important it is for me to help people with their needs, I wanted to know what's occupying people's time and what do they really enjoy doing during the day? Uh, so that was an entrance for me to either find out that they are, they have a startup project uh, and they're trying to find funding or that they're the president of the PTA and they really love helping develop their children's school um, or that they are writing the next great novel. Um, and so not when I am in a setting where I don't know what people are doing, whether it's a wedding or a fundraiser, um, saying, oh, you know, what's occupying your time doesn't put me in an uncomfortable stereotype of saying to people, so what's your business? And someone saying, well, I actually, quote, don't do anything, which isn't the case at all. Uh, they're doing very valuable things. And I want to know what it is, even if, especially and even if they're job hunting. So I start with something very open and gradually try to make the conversation more and more targeted until I can find the need. Um, I reference in the book uh, the 20 questions game that we played as a kid where we were asking uh, basically yes, no questions to discover what person you're thinking of. You know, George, you know, George Washington, I'd say, is a living or dead? And you'd say dead. And I'd say, okay, so that narrows my universe a little. Uh, I'd say male or female. And you'd say female. And I said, okay, that limits my my universe a little more. Um, so I, I, I follow questions um, because I'm curious, because I'm interested, um, and I want to know more. 
Fantastic. I, I have to say, entire idea about being in a setting, feeling it's inappropriate almost to ask, what do you do for a living? So what occupies your time is fantastic. And you never know where those relationships can lead you. Oh, thank you. Well, the other interesting you know, tangent to this piece of our conversation is um, what lawyers, and I'm sure it's true for other professions, when someone asks a lawyer, what do you do? I work so hard with lawyers to, number one, don't say they're a lawyer because when people hear you're a lawyer, what immediately comes to mind? Well, A, some bad jokes sometimes comes to mind. Uh, I'll say offensive jokes. Um, and number two, uh, the te- any television show that involves usually a criminal lawyer, whether it's Law and Order, whether it's Perry Mason. And 98% of the time, that's not what that particular lawyer does. So helping people do uh, have an answer, and I don't like the phrase elevator question or elevator statement. It, it feels too, too uh, stereotypic or too trite for me. Um, but having a really compelling answer uh, to that question that leads to helping the other person uh, immediately, A, have a sense of what I do, and B, even be plugged in to connections that he or she may have that could help me is what I really want to help people do so that the conversations have value. They're not um, talk stoppers. It's an ex- excellent lead-in to another question or another area. You talk about so let me start with, I, I'm a very large fan, big fan of qualification and really spending my time with clients that really do have a need that either my services or the services that the company I'm working for uh, can provide. And you talk about finding an, a, a niche or a niche and having your clients really um focus in a particular area. And I think that really goes along with the last point you were making about describing themselves as more of a business person in a particular focus area versus a lawyer. As I was learning um, to figure out this business development conundrum, um, and you know, as you know about me, I'm a psychologist by training and, and now a strategic coach um, for lawyers. I had no idea how to develop business. And as this awareness came to me, um, I read a book, which I'm sure most uh, or many of your listeners uh, have read as well. And if not, you should read it immediately. It's called Good to Great by my guru, uh, Jim Collins, just really fabulous book. And he, what he did is he compared companies that were in similar spaces, one of which was a good company and one which really had elevated itself to being a great company. And so I took those lessons and applied them to myself. Of course, I'm not a, a company uh, or at least a company on the level that he was talking about. And one of the things he talked about was that great companies know what they're best in the world at. And they create a business based on what they're best in the world at. Um, And they don't try to be everything for everybody. 
And those of us who are new to business, um, at least it was true for me, are sort of afraid that if I narrow what I do, um, I'm going to eliminate potential buyers. And believe me, that's a fear that we all have. You're not alone. However, counterintuitively, the more focused we are, if we're focused in a very smart way, and you and I can pursue that you know, if you want, um, we have narrowed our niche to an area that has a significant number of buyers uh, and is one in which we can be an expert in. And we are, in fact, quote, best in the world at that. And you know, say that with a, you know, with a bit of a sense of humor. Um, and so for me, in the business development part of what lawyers do, um, not what, if someone says, hey, can you help me with this? Say yes. That's, that's a different part of your world. But in the business development world where you have a limited number of amount of time and you therefore want to be very efficient and very effective with your time, you want to be focused. And so for me, that's discover a business or a slice of a business uh, that interests you, number one, because you're going to be reading about it and talking to people about it. And if it's an area that's not interesting to you, it's going to be a real drag. Number two, that is a, an, a business where people tend to gather because they have something in common, um, such as women lawyers or uh, people who are in um, cardiac medical devices. Um, find an area, so I call that closed, where they, they, they have websites, they have journals, uh, where they meet, uh, where there is a significant number of them. What significant number? For lawyers, probably around 300 that can pay your rates. Um, if you are at a very large firm and you have a high hourly rate, working with startups may not be great for you because they may not be able to pay your rate at the beginning. Whereas that might be a fabulous niche, uh, technology startups um, for a solo practitioner. So a, a biz and one also that is geographically relevant to you so that you can, when you choose, meet people face-to-face. Of course, you'll do a lot of your work with the technology and phone and and the internet, uh, but it's great to be able to meet people. So if you're in a, a state that is away from New York City, for example, which is a real fashion capital where there's a huge uh, a number of fashion companies, you might not want to be have a niche that's in women's fashion or children's fashion if you're 500 miles, 1,000 miles away from New York because it might be hard to connect with your potential buyers. So those are some of the ca- uh, categories that I suggest for a business niche. Some people want a ge- geographic niche, and that's a bit harder, uh, meaning they are in a 
what I call a small city compared to New York. It might be uh, an Atlanta. It might be a Pittsburgh um, where there's a lot of business, but it might not be confined to, um, it might not be wise to confine it to a business segment. So you might want to choose mid-sized companies in Minneapolis. Uh, the more you can have it be a group of people that does naturally want to get together, the more efficient and effective you can be. Fantastic. You know, Karen, and it's and it's actually you're, you've answered a few of the areas of you, you've elaborated on a few of the areas that I was very interested in hearing about in this whole idea of really understanding, picking an industry or a, an area and really studying that. And, and of course, to your earlier point, being interested in it um, so that you could focus your time, effort and interest. I think that is all just, it's so important to, to show that knowledge. And I can say from other folks that I've interviewed, other uh, lawyers and people involved in law firms say that that is is really a way that they are differentiating themselves as they go out and and talk to uh, people who would need their services. No, it's so interesting um, because people think, well, there, there isn't really anything. Well, first of all, there is no perfect niche. Okay, and for lawyers um, who work so hard um, and of necessity have to really make sure that a lot of their work is really, really clear and specific, um, the concept that there isn't a perfect niche can be difficult. Um, but it's really fun to look back in your life and look at areas that you you once found interesting or there was once um, a part of a family uh, interest that you can then you uh, bring as a business niche. Uh, I had one woman who we were looking at this and, you know, she just couldn't find what she was interested in. And we just did a sidestep and she was telling me about her family. And what was fascinating to me is that her family um, going two generations back had been very involved in the candy industry. And she just lit up and said, wow, suppose I was a lawyer for the candy industry. I mean, how cool is that? Um, and it wasn't just be cool because it's candy, which as a sugar person, I would think that was really wonderful, um, but because it had an emotional attachment for her. And it becomes a part of her story as she talks about her, her being a part of the candy industry. That she's been, you know, two generations back, a part of the candy industry, and now she's a lawyer for it. I mean, it's a fabulous way to be branding yourself. Fantastic. Exactly. And I know in our preparation for uh, this discussion, you mentioned that you felt a lot of, of the professionals you work with lack a strategy. So I would assume that that lack of strategy is is what drove you to really start with your clients with the what, the who, and the how. Is there something you can, is there a process or maybe a tool that you use with your clients to really find out if being an attorney for candy is the right decision? Is there some process or methodology you use that you can elaborate on? 
Well, I, I, I ask questions. Now, my clients can be in one of three categories, at least when I'm talking about law firm lawyers. Um, they can be individuals who want to be developing a book of business, which they should, in my opinion. Number two, it can be a practice group, which is a collection of people who want to develop a book of business. And number three, it can be the firm as a whole that, of course, a law firm is a business and is seeking to create revenue. And I feel very, very strongly that all three of those segments need a strategy, need to know what are we moving towards? What does success look like for us? What does, you know, that phrase, uh, if we were to corner the market, meaning we become the experts where everybody in this area comes to us, what would that be? Um, And so it it really takes research. Um, It's not a, um, it's not something that you wake up one morning and just do, even if you wake up one morning and and have an aha moment, um, you then need to research and make sure um, that there are enough buyers. Um, Make sure that there is a group of people that want your services, that need your services. And even you might want to look at how can I make sure that I'm not entering a market that is so crowded that it will be really, really hard for me to differentiate myself. Or another part of that question, I want to enter that market. How can I differentiate myself? So the process really is asking a lot of questions, um, doing a lot of research, and then, you know, to, uh, just to be a little flowery, using your, your what statement as a lighthouse that guides you. For me, the what statement also tells me what not to do. Example for my life, um, I'm fascinated and love um, liberal arts education. And probably in another lifetime, I would love to work with universities in some way, um, helping define different ways to educate and helping students and all the above. Um, And I could get really, really lost in researching and talking to boards of directors and things like that. And so I call that a hobby. And when I have free time, I read information about that. But when I'm waking up in the morning and saying, how am I going to be bringing in money this month, this week, today? How am I going to be developing the relationships that will be valuable to me? My focus is on my niche, which is lawyers, Um, not accountants. I could coach accountants, but those are not that's not my niche, not liberal arts education, not candy producers. It is really, it's really focused. And it it did take me a lot of um, questions that I asked myself to identify and then some experimentation. I went to some conferences. I talked to law firms. I talked to lawyers. I talked to law leaders to make sure that I could fit and that it would be fun. It's a fantastic answer. And I think the idea of really the reality, right? So we might enjoy something, but if it's not going to allow us to progress in an area that we can monetize, I mean, the reality for many is that we have to 
uh, balance, right? Yeah, we want it to be fun in some way, shape or form. And there's different ways to be fun. I mean, one is I love the people I'm talking to and I work with. Number two is I'm self-competitive and I want to see if I can make a million or or 10 million. Um, Another could be intellectual. Um, There are different ways to make it fun, but it's got to be fun. Fantastic conversation. Really enjoyed the points that you've made. Your book was so rich and had so much in there. Is there another topic you'd like to elaborate on or anything about your journey you'd like to share with our listeners before we end our session? Hmm, That's a great question. People often ask me, um, do I need a coach? And may not be the best business answer, but no. Um, Just the same thing as do I need a personal trainer to lose weight? Um, Coaches are great for people who want a sounding board, who want someone in my model of coaching um, that might be able to tell them something that they don't know, um, that may be able to introduce them to new ways of thinking. Um, I wrote the book um, with a coaching voice so that people could use the book and have a coach written down, um, have a coach that spoke to them in the pages that would say, now try this, now think about this, now ask yourself that. Um, There are certainly ways to buddy coach um, where someone in your family, in your life, in your firm. Um, there are there are just many, many, many ways and uses for coaches. Um, I love what I do. Uh, I love helping people think about success in different ways. Um, and I love helping people see how you can make a business. Um, and those of us who are who were brought up in graduate schools in different ways. Um, It's really an important new concept to bring in to the way we think. Um, It's all about relationships. And I, I love it because it's allowed me to meet people, to have great conversations and develop great friends. Um, So I find business development, um, slash relationship development, the the most fun of what I do. I can hear your excitement and your voice, and I'm sure our listeners will will really appreciate the, the content you've shared. Karen, thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Left Foot. Be sure to visit www.leftfoot.net to access show notes, sign up for our weekday series, and embrace what it means to lead with the left foot. Thank you.